You're listening to The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio, starring Dan Peck. Have you seen the card for the New Japan show tomorrow? It's going to be sweet. Eric Flores. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. And CKCC Radio's founder, Chris O'Mealy. Breaking news. I have a crush on Sasha Banks. Listen to CKCC Radio wherever you find your favorite podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another fun-filled edition of The Nerd Table. My name is Chris, and I am joined by Dan. Who is not going to introduce himself. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm sorry. <clears throat> What's going on, everybody? It's my Dan impersonation. I didn't come through. I talked. No, nope. well, you didn't come through. Nope. I said, hey! There was no voice on the other end. Well, I spoke, and I spoke as loud as I usually do. All right, well then, I guess you should do an impression of Eric then. By the way, here's Eric. I don't have a can to open. You could just have gone, fuck traffic. Fuck traffic. I don't know. I, I still don't know what caused it. Yeah, you were. You two have not moved in 30 minutes, not moved at all. Okay, I moved, but it was like literally like five, maybe ten feet. We we was just like the best way to describe it is I feel like it all went down into one lane from three lanes, but I don't know where because I could still see all the lanes and all the cars were fucking stopped. When I say I didn't move, that didn't mean none of it moved. Just the fucking lane I picked because. God forbid I pick a good lane. Yeah, but if you switch, that's the one that's going to stop. Yeah, exactly. So I eventually moved all the way to the right, got off at the next exit, and it's like, fuck it, back roads today. And back roads it was. At least you knew how to get where you're going, I guess. <laughs> no, I didn't. I literally pulled off at the next exit, <clears throat> and then I had to pull out my phone and put in my address, and it felt like a dum-dum because I'm only like, there's only 10 miles between work and me, but I don't know all the streets. <laughs> Dude, I've done that before. When the traffic's really, really bad, I'm like, I get off at the next possible, it, 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 well, for me, it would be a stoplight, because I don't use highways. But I'll just, to make a turn, I'll be like, okay, GPS, show me how to get home from this street partic- in particular. Well, that's like when we do, when, whenever we do like the long trips from back and forth to New York. Um, it doesn't matter when you leave or whatever you do, we will be at Lake Norman at 5 o'clock. And people that drive past the lake twice a day for their entire lives forget what water looks like. And they always slow down and or stop to look at the water. What happens when the smoke the reefer? (laughs) They're called fingers, but I've never seen them fing before. (laughs) Or when, uh, when, uh... Otto was walking out of Stoner's Pop Palace. He just goes, man, that is fragrant false advertising. And then, uh, see, so you just get off the highway before you get there. And you, you bebop yourself around a bunch of back roads you don't know exist. And you find your way home. I am a firm believer in that I would rather take the long way home than the traffic route home. 
Yes, it might be shorter, but I will move a lot slower, whereas I'd rather go a few extra miles and a few extra minutes if I know I'm going to be moving the whole time. Right. And I think that's like, even if it takes longer, it's that constant movement. It's a mental, it's a mental thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, at least you're doing something, right? Like, right. You're, you're moving. actually that's making a progress. Well, you just sit there and you feel stagnant. You're just like, I can't do this anymore. Right. Like, this is fun. This is great. I think the worst part about it today was that, like, there was a semi to the left, and I was just like, well, I can't get in the lat lane. Thank God it was on the left and not the right, because then I wouldn't have been able to get to that damn exit. I know it. Semis sure. to the left of me. Taurus to the right. Here I am, stuck in the goddamn middle lane. <laughs> I just don't want to do this. All right, a couple of quick shout-outs for this episode. Happy birthday to our friend Don Mario. Group member Don Mobius celebrating his 37th birthday. In a row? Nice. Exactly. Nice. Uh, Condolences to our friend Brian Leon, who is currently working in a warehouse with shoddy AC at 102 degree temperature in Minnesota. Not nice. Not nice. You know, there's a lot of uh, places that don't have AC that should definitely should. So when I first started with my old warehouse job, I remember one of the guys who'd been there for a while, you know, one of the guys who, you know, can never work anywhere else because he has no skills and never graduated high school. So he's literally stuck there for life. He's like, you know, back in the day, you kids got in the one place at the right time. Yeah. You kids wouldn't (laughs) have survived in here. We used to make $9 an hour and there was no climate control. And I'm like, you're right. I wouldn't have because I would have walked in and been like, nope, and walked out. That was also the 1900s when he... Yeah, you could be like, yeah, but, you know, climate control wasn't the norm, and you actually had a, a an ozone layer then, so... Dude, I grew up without AC in New York. I grew up in a house with no central air, but, like, then yeah. I moved to Florida and got spoiled and you had, because... Absolutely. Uh, when you get Virginia, you need it. <laughs> you gotta have central air. You remember in the movie um, The Day After Tomorrow or something like that, the, the 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 weather one? Yeah. When he makes that line, he's like, everybody above this line is going to die. Uh, that's also the same line that anybody underneath that needs central air conditioning. I love when South Park did the parody. Everybody... Below this line needs to be evacuated. Everybody above this line is already dead. This this area here in the middle might be okay. And then the diagram turns into a penis. And he just keeps drawing lines on it. Because Randy Marsh. Because Randy Marsh. Yes, that line conveniently is somewhere around the Mason-Dixon line. <clears throat> All right. So I got, I got some stuff I want to talk about before we get going here. Um, for all of you out there who are not wrestling fans, consider yourself very lucky this week. Three major things happened. All of them messed up. And I'm going to explain this to you guys so you don't have to know anything about wrestling to know how messed up this is. So, Dan, we're going to do Jeff, Sasha, and then Vince, okay? Okay. So you can follow along with me. So. Gotcha. Professional wrestler Jeff Hardy uh, very infamously walked out in the middle of a WWE match and quit the company. Literally during the match. He got out of the ring, walked through the crowd, and quit the company. 
And they all thought he was on some kind of drugs because he's got a very bad history with drugs. And he refused to get tested and he refused rehab and was just like, nah, fuck this company. I ain't going to work here anymore. Well, Jeff got arrested in Florida driving eight times over the legal limit, I think is what they said. It was something ridiculous like it that was in the twos. Yeah, it's point, point zero eight is the limit. And he was and he point was two point something. two something. Yeah. Yeah, that's an alcohol blood level, not a blood alcohol level. (laughs) Exactly. So the story I heard was his driving was so erratic and bad that three 911 calls had been made. Now, Eric, you know this because you drive for a living. You know when somebody's just being an idiot on the road, right? Yeah. How much of an idiot do they have to be that you would actually be concerned enough to call 911 on them? Uh pretty fucking concerned. I don't think I'd ever call 911 on anybody. I would I I would be the person to pull out my phone uh phone and record before I called the police. Unless you're doing something deliberately to like injure me it, it, or someone else. <clears throat> well, think about this again. His driving was so erratic that three separate people called 911. Okay. Then yeah. I mean, it's got to be pretty fucking bad. All right. So, remember what we just said his blood alcohol level was? Yeah. What time of day do you think this happened? Oh, um, well, now that you say it like that, I am not 100% sure because I, I feel like that'd be... 9.30 in from... the morning. Good. Think about, think about this. A time when people, with three people, would be awake to see him <laughs> at a level where they would call 911. Exactly. Apparently he did some acoustic gig at a Dave & Buster's, and I guess he just didn't go to sleep that night. And he wasn't complying when the cops were telling him to get out of the car, so they pulled their guns on him. Now, to That his right cre- there is why I wouldn't call the police, but yes, okay. <laughs> to his credit, he has accepted to be sent to rehab, but this, Dan, how many times has this happened in this guy's life? Where he's been famously pulled over well, for something. Uh, essentially, he's been busted or entered rehab every three to four years since the year, like, t- 2000. That's just too much at this point. Yeah. How does he still have a license? <clears throat> well. He doesn't! Guess what, Eric? Oh, Guess God. what he didn't have? <laughs> yeah, guess <laughs> His car, of course, because he can't have a car and he can't have a license. And you want to know what he told the cops? They asked him where he was coming from. He said North Carolina, which is where he legitimately lives. When they asked where he was going, he also said North Carolina. So I guess on his trip from Charlotte to Raleigh, he decided to swing through Florida. (laughs) Good God. The South is a lawless wasteland as it is, but... Seriously. You know, like, you say that, but I feel like I've seen more police in Florida than I have up here. Yeah, because you need more police down there. You've, that, been, on, you've been on I-4. That's fair. That is accurate. You've been on I-4. You've been on 192. You've been on 535. You've been on I-Drive. Everybody who lives in that area is cringing at every road I've just mentioned. 
You've been on Kirkman. You've been on Sand Lake. Sand Lake's not that bad. Until you get shot. Depends on which part of Sand Lake you're on. That's true. If you're by the, the touristy area of Sand Lake. If you're attending a wedding reception at a travel lodge. Okay. Yeah, that happened. I don't really want to tell that story, though, because I do really like those people. But that was the cheapest wedding I've ever been to. Not that you need an expensive wedding to, you know, have a good time or anything, but... Yeah, you just need hookers and blow. Well, I know. I just... I always think, like, when some people, like, go so crazy at weddings, I'm like, I get that it's, like, quote-unquote, the most important day of your life. But also, keep in mind that that's just one day of your life. Right? Don't go balls to the wall and spend your entire life savings. We didn't spend a lot of money at our wedding. And you had a good time, right, Eric? I had a great fucking time. Yeah, and we really didn't spend that much. You know, we, we got the venue. We got the food we wanted. And, oh my god, if Joey Image and the breadsticks. He's like, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't stop eating these breadsticks. Or, no, the best was the rehearsal dinner when the lady put the tray of, like, 100 cannolis down on the table in front of Joe and he almost had a heart attack. Holy Uh, shit, how'd they know? (laughs) Yeah, they're doing that for me because I'm sitting here, not for you, but okay. And then he he took, like, so many cannolis and they left them in my fridge. So I, I thanked him for that. I think he still gets upset about that every now and again. I'm like, remember all those cannolis that you forgot behind? The forgotten cannolis. The forgotten cannolis. The forgotten Ooh, cannolis. I got breaking nice news. Okay. The Mets scored six runs on nine hits in their 69th game of the season. That is nice. Nice. Nice, 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 nice. Nice. Um, so, of course, while all this horrible news is happening... Um, oh, yeah! We still have... Two more stories. So, <laughs> I'm going to have to eventually change the intro, and I have to add a new quote now, because Sasha Banks, as a character, no longer exists. So, w- this is still not officially confirmed. Everybody but, except WWE themselves. Yeah, and her. Like, the two sources that I would believe it from are claiming that they did actually let her out of her contract. Now, here's my take on this. Everybody's going to be like, oh, you're going to be upset because... You're not going to see Sasha anymore. No, I'm not upset. I would be upset if they... I was more upset about, like, how they handled the situation. They tried to bury her publicly on television. They and buried act like, her minutes after. Yeah, and they acted. They tried to basically tell everybody that she was super unprofessional and she walked out on you and tried to make themselves the good guy in the situation. She literally walked out of the company because everybody said that she tried very reasonably to put logic behind a storyline and they didn't go for it and told her she was an entitled bitch. And she said, screw this place and walked out. And if Jeff Hardy hadn't done the exact same thing, you know, a couple of months earlier, but nobody said anything to him. He quit in the middle of a match. She quit before the show went on the air. And the best part was, here's how they spun the story. They hadn't announced any official matches yet. Her and her tag partner had already walked out the door. 
they decided to announce a six-person match with the two of them in it and then act like they had to cancel it because they quit the company. Instead of, you know, just not advertising it. But, you know, the two girls decide to do something, but the druggie, like, we'll, we'll let him get a slide there, but... I don't know. I got nothing on that one. That one's just... That one's just ridiculous. But I've gotten a lot of messages from people who want to know what my opinion on Sasha's situation is. She's going to be just fine. Because The Mandalorian opened up doors for her to pursue more acting roles. And she's one of those really rare once-in-a-lifetime wrestlers. Where she's so unique that there isn't going to be anybody like her and there wasn't anybody like her before that. So she's going to go wherever the hell she wants to go and she's going to be fine. So why would I be upset about that? I'm happy for her as a human being. No, it's because these people have like a beyond religious fanaticism for the WWE brand. You know, I've always like, since you mentioned that they're all contractors, right? Like they're all contracted. Independent contractors. Yet they can't carry their own name oh you should hear some of the some of the legality stuff that goes on and like the only reason they get away with a lot of the stuff they get away with is because nobody's just outright challenged them in court over it that's literally the only reason which i think with everything happening all this shit jumping out right now i think now's the time for the government to come knocking <laughs> the government's They're already like, con you're come busy with twice. this 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 and this well, how about this? And the only well, thing- let, let's be real for a second, though. Like, is there any reason that, like, wh- outside of money, right? Would they even lose that much money if they were employed and they were to insure these people? No, they're setting record high profits right now. Do you know? Do you know that story about unionization in the the professional wrestling locker room? Jesse Ventura, the gov- former governor of Minnesota, he was actually in the process of doing it, and it was Hulk Hogan who ratted him out to Vince and turned him into the enemy, and they became lifelong rivals as a result of that. Of course, then Jesse Ventura has never been shy about his hatred of Hulk Hogan since then. He's like, you know that reality show he does. Yeah, I would never put my family through that. And then the guy who's interviewing him is like, you know, some of those scenes with Hulk and his daughter make me a little uncomfortable. And Jesse Ventura, without missing a beat, goes, yeah, he's like a pimp. You mean like him literally like putting sun sunbathing stuff on her gooch? <laughs> Dude, he's got his hands all over her. It's his freaking daughter. Hulk Hogan's a whole... Nothing beats, though, the uh, the Twitter picture that I have saved that I pull out every now and again when I want to. It's the TMZ article of Hulk Hogan going, I'll never be able to wrestle again because of injuries I sustain. And the very next tweet is from the Iron Sheet going, fuck Hulk Hogan. I still I pull that one out every now and again. a TMZ article, and it was about when Hulk Hogan got, like, the thing, the uh, the electric stimulator on it in his back. And he's like... Hulk Hogan now has an electric thing in his back that makes his pee-pee hard. 
brother. Because, <laughs> you know, there's, if you send electrical impulse in the right areas, you will involuntarily become aroused and, in some cases, involuntarily climax. Yeah, I'd rather not figure that one out. <sighs> so, yeah, regarding the whole Sasha situation, like, she's going to be just fine. She can go wherever she wants better. to go. <laughs> and you know what? If regimens change in a couple of years, she'll come back and she'll be the biggest star going. Regimens might be changing very quickly. So that brings us to the main event. Oh, and real quick, because I almost forgot to bring this up. The government's already come knocking twice. Vince, they went after Vince for the steroid trial, which he won. And but he was pretty sure he was going to lose. He had contingencies. He, he had, had contingencies in place, yeah. He had hired people to take over if he went to jail. And, of course, he showed up in the neck brace, which he literally went and got neck surgery because he knew he was going to have the time for it, and it just happened to play up as a good sympathy thing. Yeah, and then Jerry McDevitt's like, yes, do it. <laughs> His fearsome lawyer. And the government came after them when the Chris Benoit situation happened. And the only reason nothing happened from that is because it was it was just a media outcry. And then that mine shaft collapsed in Virginia, and the media turned its attention to it, and they forgot all about Vince. So they're just like, okay, so let's just sweep this under the rug and move on. And which is exactly what they did. <clears throat> Alright, so. For those of you who have not heard the story... Somebody recently came out and leaked the fact that Vince McMahon, CEO of WWE, legitimate billionaire, powerful human being, had an affair with some paralegal that no longer works for the company and paid her up to $3 million in hush money to keep it quiet. Which well, obviously... Damn, $3 million and she couldn't keep her mouth shut? Well, it wasn't her that leaked it. Somebody else leaked it. Yeah, a friend of hers leaked it. And so apparently she got hired at $100,000 a year. The next year she made $200,000. So I'm guessing that's when they started fucking. Then Vince gave her to John Laurinaitis. One of his top executives. Uh, he had it, uh, her for a little while. Apparently they and passed then, her around. And then they said... Here's $3 million, don't say anything. And she's like, okay, and I quit. Yeah, and she quit the company. So here's here's what's... First of all, um, this is not breaking news that Vince has had affairs. So. A lot of people were like, they learned that him and Linda haven't been like together together in like 20 years, and people were shocked. Yeah, but we all knew that as wrestling fans. <laughs> like, she lives in Florida, and he lives... He still lives in his palatial mansion in Connecticut. So like So yeah, that's that's a thing. Um second of all, let's talk about for for you wrestling non-wrestling people who don't know who John Laurinaitis is. I'm going to tell you what he did to to just give you an idea of what a scummy guy he is. So if you're for those of you who are familiar with who the Bella Twins are, if you're not familiar, they were uh identical twins who are pro wrestlers who are now reality stars. And business owners and everything. They're actually pretty successful. They have a pretty big following and everything. Nikki and Brie. Uh, Brie Bella married Brian Danielson, one of the best wrestlers in the world. Nikki married, or attempted to marry Almost. John Cena. And then that didn't happen. 
she ended up marrying her Dancing with the Stars partner, and they have a kid together now. So John Laurinaitis signed them out of a lingerie catalog because that's how he used to find his female talent. Because his philosophy was I'd rather hire models and teach them to wrestle than hire a wrestler and teach her how to model. Something that I believe Which, to be Vince fair, is what Vince McMahon told him to do. Yes. <laughs> the Bellas were two of the people he hired. Well, later on, he dated and then married their mother. So, two girls he signed out of a lingerie catalog, he became stepdaddy to. I'm not making that up. This hurts we're so, And we're talking, like, seven years ago, this was still the main practice. Um... Around seven, around seven years ago is when things changed and they got legit women's wrestlers. But they had the best women's roster on the planet for like those entire seven years, and then things changed again. But that was essentially what they did: is they would like the latest Hawaiian tropics in, and they would sign half the girls from that issue. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and then two of them would be decent in the ring, but they'd hire all of them and they'd put them on TV. And they'd get asked questions in character on television and stand there and make a squeaking noise. As I always remember the episode where Kelly Kelly got moved to Raw. And there's a backstage segment to introduce Kelly Kelly to Raw. Kelly, what are you doing here? And she just made a stupid face. And someone asked again. Dumb face. A third attempt was made. This was clearly a live take and not a pre-record. And it should have been a pre-record. Yeah, now, she just stood there. Now, to be fair, to be fair, they did hire a couple of girls who were legitimate wrestling fans and did try hard and became successful. For example, Mandy Rose, who was a fan, worked hard, and is now one of the more successful girls on the roster. Look, she does really well. Yeah. So, like, but so. The whole scandal thing caused the stock to plummet. Uh, there was a huge outcry. So Vince actually was forced to step down as CEO of WWE. And his oh, daughter, God. Stephanie, who only yep. two weeks earlier had decided to leave the company to focus on her family, is now the interim CEO of the company. And if you pay attention to the last couple of years of movements in the company... It seems like they knew something was going to happen eventually and they've been preparing for it and that they've also have been trying to sell the company in hopes that they didn't have the power of the company when all this shit hit the fan. All right, this here- sounds like a family that was just like, okay, we have so much shit on us that they just need a contingency plan in general. Like they, I feel like they just had backup plans for fucking days. I mean, it's possible. Earlier this year, they fired Shane. Stephanie was going to step down. like, And Linda hasn't been involved in a long time because she had her political career. She was in Trump's cabinet. She was running for, for governor, governor of Connecticut. Like, She's focused on politics now. Vince was the last McMahon standing, and, well... So... It's it's a really weird situation right now. And then come to find out that one of Vince's other golden boys, the head of his production team, Kevin Dunn, is now being investigated for illegal insider trading. 
because they're a publicly traded company and they have stock options and he was one of the main guys involved in the stock scam to become a billionaire. So that's like and it's that it's that he just sold a bunch of stock like two days before all this went public. Yeah, exactly. So and people were saying, but he's not on the board of directors. And I listened to Cornette talk about it. It's like he's Vince McMahon's best friend for forty years. He told him. Oh yeah, he told him. There's no doubt. He so, knew. <laughs> but prove it. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the that's the hard part. Well yeah. Now here's here's like, a really funny tidbit of trivia, Eric. You're gonna love this one. WCW was the greatest rival to the WWF. At one point, they were on top. They were on top for 83 weeks in a row. They were the top wrestling company in the world from, like, 96 to early 98. They were the top company. They were untouchable. And there was an offer to... There was everything from, like, 500 million to 50 million. Like, 50 to 500 million as a buying price for that company at, at separate different points. And they refused to sell. Ha, guess how much Vince McMahon bought the company for in 2001 because it was so dead at that point? I, uh, 100000 Not that little. $2.5 In other words, he bought his rival that actually had him on the ropes and had him on his ass for a little while and was a top-selling huge co commodity in the 90s, he bought them out, the whole company, the contracts, the tape library, all that stuff, for less than he paid this woman's hush money. Numbers do not lie. So it's just been, yeah. The wrestling world's been a shit show lately. So... And of course, this is all happening at a time when a bunch of the top wrestlers in the world are all out on the injured list. And then, of course, you also have other stuff that keeps going wrong. So when does it all end? I don't know, but it's certainly been an interesting story to follow. I don't know where it's going, but holy crap. And that's the thing, like, Vince McMahon is never going to retire. The only way he's ever going to step down officially and leave the company officially would be either because he died or because something like this happened. And honestly, I was actually expecting it to be the former. Yeah, I was like, when all this started happening, I was like, wow. Legit thought it was going to take him dying. <clears throat> so... But what do you think is going to happen now? Do you think things are going to get better? Well, no, because he's still involved with the creative process, and that's where the problem is. Because <laughs> he's got he's got scatterbrain these days, and he changes his mind too often and gives up on stuff a week after he thinks it's the greatest thing ever. And that's been going on for years. So, no. As an immediate turnaround, no. Ask me Did again in a year. That? Did you see that? Who would be in charge of, like, the actual wrestling side of the company if Vince had to fully leave? No. Who? Jeff Jarrett. Which would be a great thing, because he's really good at what he does. Who was it? Jeff Jarrett, somebody else in Abyss. All TNA guys. 
Well, Jeff Jarrett's dad, Jerry Jarrett, was one of the guys that was prepared to it take was, over if Vince went to jail. He was for the... the guy that was hired to take over if Vince went to jail. Yes. Yep. So, holy crap. The wrestling world is an absolute shit show right now, but I'm just eating my popcorn and watching it. Because I don't give a fuck about WWE. And the oh, thing is, nobody wants... Nobody wants the company to fold because everybody still wants there to be a place for people to work. And the company's not going to fold. It's just going to go under new management and get a rehauling. The company's not going to go away. People are... And, of course, you've got people that are, like, cheering it on. Like, yeah, this is going to be it for Vince. And I can't wait. Like, eh, I highly doubt that. But imagine if this is the thing. Not the steroid scandal. Not the Benoit murders. This is the thing that does in Vince McMahon. He's literally made out with girls on camera and done storylines where his wife has caught him cheating in the storyline. He's done storylines where he's done it in front of his wife. Yeah. He's literally, like, his wife is sitting in a wheelchair watching him make out with one of the divas on the couch. Like, but this is going to be the thing that does him in. Yeah, well, you know, it's like... The only thing they can get Al Capone on was the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> Al Capone went to jail over taxes. Not anything else he did. Because taxes. because <laughs> even the IRS says, I don't care if that money's illegal or not, you have to claim it. That's uh I, I posted something in the in the group chat about the Joker, that. yeah, with yeah. the Joker saying that I'm, I'll fight Batman, but not the IRS. Like you're, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> And then yeah, I was also like the breakdown of it, like, yeah, you can't claim insanity and get out of a tax scam. Right. And it, like, actually, that that entire breakdown made so much sense on why he can get out the way he does. Well, that's the, way, that's the reason why he doesn't go to a prison. He goes to an, an asylum whenever anybody gets busted by Batman. Right. Al Capone was at Penhurst Asylum. I saw his cell. Or not, our Eastern State Penitentiary, sorry. He was at Eastern State Penitentiary, and I saw his cell. They had the one all done up, and then they're like, what's going on in the cell next to it? They're like, well, it turns out that actually might have been his real cell. So we're just going to do that one up, too. That's one of those things, right? Yeah. It was one of these two cells, so you're looking at one of the legitimate ones. So I was just like, okay, I'll take a picture of both of them. No one's alive that was there at the time. Exactly. So yeah, or they're so old, <laughs> it's not reliable information anymore. So yeah, that's uh. So Eric, what do you think of all this? Because you're you're not you're a non wrestling guy. So what do you think of everything I just talked about? Okay, I like to play both sides of. Oh, like, here we go. So to play devil's advocate, I. After hearing all the stories of Vince McMahon, I don't think he should be CEO. So I'll I'll stay I'll I'll state that. I don't think he should have stepped down because of this. Because it wasn't like it was hush money that she accepted. So there was an agreement. Um Well, I think he's doing now, it because of the publicly traded company aspect. Okay, so that I understand. But like I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, 
the whole Me Too movement, if if she wasn't if she was afraid to speak out, that's one thing. But if she didn't care and she just wanted the money, that's another thing. You know what I mean? Well, you know, it almost makes you wonder why her friend decided to leak this. Or was it an accident that she leaked it? I guess and we, it just we don't out know of that yet. And, and and that's the other thing. Like, it, it really depends. Like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, if someone offered me $3 million to sleep with, uh, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, really. But $3 million is a lot of fucking money. I'm sleeping with whoever you mentioned for three million dollars. <laughs> I, I no shame in that, and I'll come straight home and I'd be like, "Hey, Rebecca, I slept with this person. You're probably gonna hate me, but you can hate me while you drive around in your new new BMW until uh, you can forgive me, and then we'll just continue on our happy lives with three fucking million dollars." I can't even argue that. Two million dollars is a lot of money. It's a shit ton of money. I wonder how much a paralegal usually makes. Because that first million takes care of you almost inde- like indefinitely. Like you, you get your house outright, you buy all the stuff you want outright, and then that other two, you just live off of it. I don't think you could live... For the rest of your life on three million, I think I did the math, and it's more, more closer to ten. If you if you had ten million, you could retire, never work. Well, if you like did nothing, if you just put it in a bag and stopped doing everything right now, yeah, you but, don't even need that much, honestly. Uh, anyway, we've done the numbers already. If you had one million dollars and you got twelve percent a year, that's a hundred thousand dollars a year. You can easily live off of a hundred thousand dollars a year. Oh, absolutely. So a paralegal on average makes sixty thousand a year in the state of Connecticut. Okay. So she was already hired at an exorbitant fee of a hundred thousand. Well, there you go. And I bet sixty thousand a year doesn't get you that far in Connecticut that you might think it would. Connecticut's an expensive state. Jeff, you want to uh, follow up on that? Jeff lives there. We'll ask him. Was, for a moment, I was like, is Jeff on the line? And he's just been quiet the entire time. <laughs> like, what Wouldn't you... that have been great if at the thir- <laughs> at Oh, and we're at the 37... Well, we're actually now at the 38-minute mark. But with 37 minutes on the clock, we brought in Jeff. He's <laughs> been here the entire time. How appropriate. I always wanted to do an episode like that once. Act Just start off with just two of us. And then all of a sudden just be like, Chris, what do you think? And I just start talking. And I've been there the whole time. And you guys just acted like I was never there. That reminds me of like when Critical Role has like a, a a guest for the show, and almost every time they have a guest for the show, they don't introduce them until after the halfway break, and that person has been sitting there waiting to go on camera the entire mm. time. At least give him a green yeah. room. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, 1993. That's a year that happened. All right. This is episode 93, so we're going to take a look back at the year 1993. Dan, what were the top five movies of 1993? Five. Sleepless in Seattle. I've seen that. I have not seen it, but... Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks. 
It's actually a good hey, one. That's Tom Hanks. He uses it big. Everything he says is a joke. I have AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great Family Guy joke. Sleepless, <sighs> Sleepless Seattle's actually a good one. I, I'll Dude. approve that one. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. The first time. Yeah. Number four was The Firm. I have never seen that. Based off a book. A highly acclaimed book. Um, but I have not seen the movie nor read the book. Okay. All I can tell you is Tom Cruise is in it. Tom Cruise is in it, yes. Number three. This is a real good one. It's The Fugitive. We're going to talk about that when we talk about the top songs of the year. Oh, yeah? Oh, no, I'm thinking of The Bodyguard again. That was The Bodyguard song. Uh, Fugitive is good. That's got the famous tunnel scene. Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones. I didn't kill her. I don't care. One of my favorite Simpsons parodies is when they do that with Milhouse. I tipped off the feds to the whereabouts of our good friend Milhouse. I'm telling you, I didn't do anything. I don't care. And he just jumps. <laughs> Number two, Mrs. Doubtfire. Classic. I saw that in the theater. I believe I did as well. That's a Chris Columbus movie. Uh, you have kids with something. That means I moved to Florida in 93. Because well, you remember seeing it in a theater in Florida? No, I saw it in the movie theaters in New York and then immediately moved to Florida after. Oh. So yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire, great movie. Yeah, really good. Uh, you know it's so good when almost every show ever has done some kind of spoof of it. So, you know. They'll never and of course, a comedian like Robin Williams. Number one, Jurassic Park. One of um, my original Jurassic Park is in my top five all-time favorite movies. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I love. So when I was a kid, I was obsessed with dinosaurs. Well, and, yeah, there was that whole period of time where everyone was right. And I went to my mother and I said, "Mom." Are there any cool movies about dinosaurs? And she goes, well, funny, you should mention it. Guess what's coming out in a couple of weeks? A movie that's probably too scary for you right now. Probably was, but I loved it and it, all the same. <clears throat> you know what else came out this year? It's a great, great Tim Burton movie. We're going to get to that in a minute. Oh, we're going to get to that in a sec. But yeah, um, original Jurassic Park, easily one of my favorite movies. I do like the whole franchise. I, I wasn't big on Fallen Kingdom, or I really didn't like Jurassic Park 3, but if Jurassic Park 3 is on, I'm going to watch it. I'll sit down and watch it. I kind of dig 3. I don't know. I don't know. If and I was going to... So I haven't seen Dominion, but so out of the five, I would probably put JP3 number 3. Okay. I'd go World Park 3. You liked World Born Than Park? Yes. Okay. World is the closest thing we got to a really good Jurassic Park movie after two very disappointing sequels. I think I'd put... Well, I mean, I haven't seen... 
if we can count the first part of of uh, Fallen Kingdom, that first part of Fallen Kingdom was fantastic. Oh yeah, and then they go back to the mainland. <laughs> I think my order would be Park World Power Rangers. There you go. <laughs> Bears, right. Beats, Battlestar Galactic. My top three is Park, World, Camp Cretaceous. Oh, that show? Yeah. Camp Cretaceous is actually really good. Like, you gotta get over, you gotta get past the fact that it's four kids and about kids, but everything else is actually really good. And there's some dark stuff in there for a kid show. Like, the way they, bru- like, they don't show kills on camera, but they absolutely brutally kill some people. Yeah, but Jurassic Park, love that movie. And I read the Michael Crichton book, and it's really good. It does get a little wordy at times, because it's got all the science-y stuff in it, and the philosophical stuff with Ian Malcolm. But it's a really good book. Well, I heard that Jurassic Park is frightening in the dark. Great song, great parody, too. All the dinosaurs are running wild. Alright, fine. What about Dinosaurs, the TV show? We already talked about we that. We talked about that. All right, let's go over a couple of other movies that came out in 1993 that y'all might have heard of. How about Leprechaun with Jennifer Aniston and Warwick Davis? Don't steal his goal, dude. It's that simple. It is. There's like certain certain like horror villains where it's just like like I get it. Like, you know, your yeah, family you're a teenager, your parents has a job in this town, sorry you live on the street with the crazy guy that might be a pedophile that died and that sucks for you and that's going to be awful, but like the leprechaun, he just, you fuck with his gold, he fucks with you so don't fuck with his gold there you go Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey which is essentially a remake Shadow Chance and Sassy Groundhog Day. Oh, there you go. Which did not come out on Groundhog Day. It came out February 12th. Slightly disappointing, but yes. Which is what ruined the relationship between Bill and Harold. Yes, it did. Is it? Yeah. And they only made up right before Harold Remus died. But I'm glad they did. I, I watched the documentary uh, about stuff. Did you guys watch like, Ghostbusters Afterlife? Yes. I have not seen it. Okay, I cried. Yeah. That's all you need to know. I have the triple DVD set here. I have, like, one thing to play it on. <laughs> <clears throat> on February... February 26, 1993, the world was given Army of Darkness. Hell yeah. Uh, this is my boomstick. One where I actually prefer the director's cut ending. See, I like both endings. I like the director's cut extended scenes, though. Yes, absolutely. Um, but both endings, I I can I enjoy both endings. So, <sighs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. Yeah, it's still, it's still entertaining. Still fun. Yeah. Look at this. It's not even the. Playoffs. The Sandlot. 
Classic. Love it. Do you know? Okay, so I've seen that movie like five times, and they were all while waiting for the orthodontist. That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny, actually. Because <laughs> they had a little, they had like the adult waiting room, which was a normal waiting room where you had a 10-year-old magazines and whatever. And then there was the waiting room for the kids. And of course, I was like 17, but what the fuck? But in there was like a TV. They had put on different movies. And then they had one of those Sega Genesis cartridge switchers with like five or six games you can switch between. Nice. So. Dragon the Bruce Lee story. Here's a really bad sci-fi horror movie, Carnosaur. Carnosaur. That, that one was that one was pretty bad. Velocipaster. Oh god. Hot Shots Part Du. Hot Shots Part Du. Yep. If you like your Stallone action movies, Cliffhanger came out this year. The world was given the Super Mario Brothers movie in 1993. Oh, joy. Yeah. Yeah. Last you know Action what, Hero. It, you know what? That movie would have been interesting if it wasn't Mario. If it was just a straight-up movie with that story. Yeah. It would have been okay. Well, people wanted to do, like, a dark, gritty thing, and they didn't want that, and it was just a, a huge mess in pre-production, which is why we got what we got. Uh, Last Action Hero with Arnold. That was a good movie. That's a good action movie. I enjoyed that. It was very entertaining. It's a good action movie. The live action Dennis the Menace with Walter Matthau. It's a John Hughes movie. It's not bad. It's it's fun for what it is. Rookie of the Year. Hell yeah. Great baseball movie. That was the best movie I watched growing up. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was a great movie. Fantastic moments, fantastic lines. The the infamous line, "Funky butt loving." That's when he takes the he, ta- he takes his the, he finally gets the, the the cast off, but his arm is like stuck, and they're like doing the checks, and he's like, "Can you please him the now rotate your shoulder forward?" And he just gives him the big old slap, and he's like, "Oh no!" And the doctor holds his nose, like, "Oh, funky." Butt loving. Did he say funky butt loving? <laughs> you know what I love about that movie? The main, the main antagonist on the rival team is a Met, the evil New York Met. Oh, I gotta cry to your mommy. An evil Met. Love it. Uh, these two movies came out on the same day: Free Willy and Hocus Pocus. Really. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing now, right? It's at the time, it was by and far Free Willy was the biggest cultural touchstone. And now, no one talks about Free Willy and Hocus Pocus comes up every year. Yep. You are absolutely correct about that. The Coneheads movie came out this year. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, Rob- Decent for a thing that probably shouldn't have been a movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Robin Hood Men in Tights, one of my favorites. Yeah, buddy. That's the uh, first Mel Brooks movie I saw in a theater. I think it might be the only one. 
I think that was actually the first Mel Brooks movie I ever saw was Robin Hood Men in Tights because I wasn't a Star Wars fan in 93. I didn't get into Star Wars until 95. I wasn't a Star Wars fan, but I definitely seen Spaceballs. I might have seen Spaceballs before I seen Star Wars. I'd seen uh, stuff, I mean, I but knew I wasn't... what it was and what everything was making fun of, really. But yeah, I'd seen stuff, and... but I wasn't hardcore. But I definitely saw Spaceballs without really knowing what it was. But Robin Hood Men in Tights was the first real Mel Brooks movie I saw and appreciated. How about So I Married an Axe Murderer? That's really good. Early Mike Myers. <clears throat> uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. I That is the worst Friday the 13th movie. Everybody wants to say it's Jason X, but Jason X at least knew it was schlocky. This was a garbage movie. Garbage. But what wasn't a garbage movie was The Secret Garden. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's good. King of the Hill. No, not that King of the Hill. The Steven Soderbergh movie. I don't know what Surf Ninjas is, but it probably was awful. It was. These kids of varying ages, I think like 7 to like 13. And they surf and they do ninja stuff. Sounds about right. So it's the coolest, apparently. Dazed and confused. A Bronx Tale. Cool Runnings. There you go. Jamaica, we got a bobsled team. Oh my god, Demolition Man. Remember that? Yep. Great sci-fi premise. Yep. You're like the only only guy that could bring this that brought this one famous criminal down, and they're going to cryogenic sleep him. So you decide, well, if he ever gets out, ever, I have to be the one to get him. So cryogenic me too. Yep. And only bring me out if he gets out somehow. Also, really crazy because how he gets out and he gouges the one cop's eye out with the freaking pencil. And uses that for the retinal scan. <clears throat> I've actually considered, uh, when I start doing Chris Ranks the Universe on YouTube, going back and watching, like, select movies from each year I was born. Like, that thing I wanted to do. But actually, like, picking out the movies that I want to rank, and then actually coming up with a top ten list of each year. Starting with 1984 and moving on up. Uh, here's a movie that will not make the cut for 93. Mr. Nanny, starring Hulk Hogan. Yeah. If it's Hulk Hogan as the starring role, you know it's awful. It's actually going to be like the last one. I think maybe Santa with Muscles is after this. <clears throat> the Gettysburg movie came out this year. Good period piece. With uh, Daniel Day-Lewis as Lincoln? Um, no. Daniel Day-Lewis played Lincoln as the uh, in the actual like Lincoln movie. Lincoln? Like in like yeah, uh, Gettysburg. Let me actually. I'll pull up the cast list right now. Lincoln was played by. Oh well, Robert E. Lee was played by Martin Sheen. Let's see. Where's all? Where's all? A Honest Dave. I'm looking for him. 
Is he not one of the... Like, or is it just about the battle and not about after the battle? Uh, possibly, because I don't even see Lincoln's name on as a, as a character credit. Ooh, Tom Berenger, Sam Elliott, Jeff Daniels? Dude, I actually just went to do a, a, a word search for Lincoln in the whole wiki thing, and there's it. he's not there, so no. There's no Abe. All right. Here's a good one. Rudy. That's a good movie. One of the best football movies ever made, I'll, I'll say that. Oh, my God. The Bee was in Gettysburg. Yeah. The Beverly Hillbillies movie. Remember that? Yes. Oh, God. And Diedrich Bader was one of the characters. Mm-hmm. On October 29th, 1993, the world was given the nightmare before Christmas. Eric's been, like, jonesing for me to bring this movie up. Yes. One of my all-time favorite movies. Only help pay for it. Yes. It's actually Henry Selleck was the director. But yeah, uh, uh, it's it's a classic. I watch it every year without fail. Every year. Usually twice. You're right about that. And you know what was brilliant about the movie? They avoided any pop culture or time sensitive references. That's why it feels like a timeless movie. Brilliant, brilliant role on their part. Look who's talking now. Right about it, it was only like 79 minutes or whatever. I know, but it's so, it's so good. If it was any longer, it probably start, would have started getting bad. It's actually really well paced, too. Even though it does seem like it's kind of off the wall because they wrote the songs and then wrote the story about it, around the songs. So it's weirdly paced, but it, it works. It's just a fun, good movie. Look Who's Talking Now. Remember that one? Oh, yeah, that's the one with the dogs. <laughs> as well. Yep, now the dogs are talking too. RoboCop 3. Because we needed a third one. I think that's the one where, like, everybody has turned on RoboCop. Yeah. They're, like, against the whole idea of RoboCop. Mm. Carlito's Way. Good crime film. His way is to spit in the face of anyone who doesn't want to be cool. Adam's Family Values. Now, is that the one where he gets married? And she's just in it for the money? I I don't remember which one's which at this point, but somebody will t- let us know in the comments. Hey, do you remember We're Back, A Dinosaur Story? I remember that I never got to see it. I know, it feels like a fever dream, but that was actually Universal's Pictures that put that one out. I remember it being a big deal, and I never got to see it, so... If anybody would like to watch a Sister Act 2 or Wayne's World 2, you get the opportunity in 93. Wayne's World 2 is alright. Schindler's List. That's a movie every person should watch once. Once. Only once. You can't watch it a second time. It it also can't be your favorite movie. <laughs> I, I actually I own it on DVD. Like When they made the big deal about it's finally on DVD, I went out and made sure I had it because it's a movie where I truly believe. Every human being needs to see that movie once. Yeah, we watched it in school I as, will be, as like a study piece. Yeah. 
I saw it in college. It's such a rough movie, but it's it's very good. You you'll watch it. It's kind of like American History X. I love that movie I said so also much. A movie I added to that list. Yeah, you I need to love watch that movie, once. but it's hard to rewatch. It's very hard to rewatch. Watch it once. <clears throat> uh, Philadelphia came out this year. That's the I have AIDS. Yes. Courtroom drama, really intense movie, but worth watching. What's eating Gilbert Grape? Johnny Depp movie. Oh, you tell me. <laughs> Grumpy old men. That's a fun movie. I remember my my family getting behind those, those two movies. Yeah, they're they're fun. Tombstone. Actually, I quite like it now. Now that I understand the cast and and appreciate the cast. Yeah, I'm not big on westerns, but Tombstone's a good one. To, uh, out of the handful of westerns I have enjoyed, that is one of them. Yes. And the last movie I will bring up, and I saved this for last just for you, Dan. On Christmas Day, 1993, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Hell yeah, I didn't get to see it in the theater. I didn't get to see it for maybe another ten years or so. It's a good one, though. But it is a good, and it has a good twist. All right, what were the top songs of 1993? The fifth top song was Freak Me by Silk. I have no idea what that is off the top of my head. Nope, it's R&B. I don't know R&B. Number four is That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. I know that one. Yeah. But number three is UB40 with Can't Help Falling in Love. Yeah, I know that song. Love UB40 in this house. Hey, here's another song about ass. It's Whoop, There It Is by Tag Team. Oh, my God. Jock jams. The previous year, it was Baby Got Back was number mm-hmm. two. Yep. I remember, like, them on, like, a TV show, like a, like a, you know, like a morning show. And they're like, so what's Whoop, There It Is about? And they're like, uh, uh, you know, it could be about anything. It could be like, hey, your shirt, Whoop, There It Is like nah man it's about that ass do you remember like when people were shocked that who let the dogs out wasn't about literal dogs <laughs> it's like, oh, and i'm like what did you think it was about no they were not rapping about canines listen to the lyrics uh but what was the number one song oh my god this song We'll always love you, Whitney Houston. We talked about it last week because that's when the movie came out. That song was all over the place. That was a very again. It is a cover of a Dolly Parton song, but it's it is completely different because of because Whitney Houston sings differently and it goes differently because Whitney Houston's about long sustained high notes. All right, here's some other songs we got in 1993. We got Snow Informer. Oh, let me make a boom boom down. The Canadian rapper showed up, sang about butts, and then never saw him again. Informer. Uh, Dr. Dre, Nothing But a G Thang, came out in 93. Boys to Men in the Still of the Night. Here's a good one. Soul Asylum Runaway Train. Runaway Train. 
It plays at the end of uh, um, was it was it uh, Jane Silent Pop Strike Back? Nope, that's Misery. Misery by Soul Asylum. That was Misery. Plays at the end of one of the Kevin Smith movies, which actually I think was <clears throat> Clerks Two. Which Clerks Two would would have been uh, Misery. But it starts with nothing but flowers. Nothing but flowers. Yes. Uh, River of Dreams by Billy Joel. That's a good one. Uh, in the middle of the night. I'm going to be 500 miles by the Proclaimers. They're one hit. Yeah. You just you, you do that, you will fall down at her door. Uh, Two Princes by Spin Doctors. My mom loves that song. That's a good song. I love that song. That's a good album, by the way, the whole, um, that, that first album. Pocket Full of Kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Good album. This was the year we discovered that Meatloaf would do anything for love, but he wouldn't do that. But she eventually said, it, yeah, I'm not taking a strap on. That's what it's about. Come Undone by Duran Duran. Uh, one of Michael Jackson's songs this year was Will You Be There? Here's a personal favorite of mine. What's up, Four Non Blondes? Yeah, dude. That song slaps. I loved that song before it was the meme. Yeah. It's so and good, I though. Said, hey, yeah. So good, though. Ace of Bass, All That She Wants. Is another baby. Tupac, I Get Around. Bed of Roses by Old Jump. John Bon Jovi. That's a good song, too. It's one of his slow songs, but it's really good. John Bon? Crying by Aerosmith. Oh, that was when they were making the videos with Liv and Alicia Silverstone? Yep. (coughs) They're like the adventure of the lesbians. Mm Mm-hmm. Insane in the Brain by Cypress Hill. Ooh. Insane in the Membrane. How about Bad Boys by Inner Circle, the theme to Cops? What a, what a very iconic song. Bad Cops, Bad Cops. <laughs> the, yeah, the Springfield Cops got the Bad Cops song. Bad Cops, Bad Cops. This this song's a guilty pleasure of mine. Hadaway, What is Love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. I like that song. And not for ironic reasons with, with the whole Night at the Roxbury thing. I actually think that's a good song. It's cheesy, but I enjoy it. I bet you always end up doing the head bob thing. Oh, hell yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Living on the Edge by Aerosmith, another one of the songs that made the top 100. Oh, Living in the Fridge. Hey, Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms. That's a great song. Uh, That's the last song I'm going to talk about. Nothing else of interest piques me here. Dan, please tell me about three fantastic video games that were released in 1993. Well, Street Fighter 2 continued its dominance into the next year. But it had a challenger. But all of a sudden, someone new was showed up during the year. Which, uh... Eric, would you like to do us the... Do us the, uh... Do this for us? But, but, uh... What would you like me to do, sir? Uh, I'd like you to... Shout two words in the way that they do in the thing. He doesn't know what, what we're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> talking about... 
Yes, please. I, yes. I literally did not come through on my end. No, you did not. You actually broke up pretty bad there. That's funny. Okay. That's what he just yelled, Eric. All right. <laughs> I see it now. So please do us the honor. Mortal Kombat! Finish him. Fatality. Flawless victory. Was it really that long ago? Get over here! Uh, Approaching 30 years, my friends. <laughs> Remember, it was like such a revolutionary fighting game, and then Mortal Kombat 2 came out, and you're like, oh yeah, why'd I even bother with the first one? Yeah, because they actually like balance shit. <laughs> yeah. First game is so hard if you actually try to play it now, but if you play Mortal Kombat 2 or 3... You're like this. This is this is awesome. A new Nintendo franchise was also born in '93. Yeah, I hope you have your uh, whatever expansion port ready because your Super Nintendo's expansion port ready because it's Star Fox Super FX chip. You better have it. Do a barrel roll. Ah, good old Star Fox. All right. Did you How do about a some? Roll? I always do a barrel roll. All right, Peppy, you can relax now. Do a barrel roll. Uh, what new TV shows were released in 1993? Oh, dude, so many. This is the biggest list. Chris, there's a little show that's on this list that's still on today. As a matter of fact, in 10 minutes, a new episode will be airing as we record. But it's not The Simpsons. We already talked about that. It's Monday Night Raw! Yep, still going to this day. Longest episodic television show in TV history. Well, they also air once a week, and they've never missed a night, so. Also, starting in 1983, was The X-Files. That's one of those shows where, when it was good, it was the best thing on television, and when it was bad, you were like, just cancel this garbage already. It was a very unbalanced show. The good was exceptional and off the wall, and the bad was just abysmal. Up next is a show that's actually, I think, in its third <laughs> revival. Yeah. Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead is fun to go back and watch for some of the classic episodes and some of the music video stuff, but it didn't age. It's kind of like watching Ren and Stimpy now. It didn't age as well as you wanted it to. However, I can still go back and watch that movie over and over again and laugh hysterically every time. And I will be well, watching the Paramount for another movie, movie, right? They're going to relaunch it with another movie? I don't remember the music video. Somebody help me in the comments here. But there's a music video where Beavis spends the entire music video just humming. Doing the bass line the entire time? Yeah, he does the bass line the whole time. And Butthead... Like, he's trying to talk to him, and he just keeps smacking him over and over again, and he doesn't break. He just keeps going. And finally, at the end, Butthead just gives in and goes with it. If anybody can tell me what video that was, I would love to look that up on YouTube again, because it's the best music video review they ever did. I remember when they, like, watched Breaking the Law, and they just went, yeah, 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 Breaking the Law, Breaking, breaking. the Law. Or, or one by Metallica starts playing, but like, this sucks, change it, Bud's like, this is Metallica, dumbass. Oh, is it really? Okay. Because one's... Got that uh, slow introduction, and Beavis didn't know what he was listening to. There's a few, yeah. There's a few also, really fun Beavis and Buttheads to go back and watch, though. Debuting in also in 93, Frasier! 
which would go until 05, which meant it was in HD <laughs> by the end. Which was really odd when I watched it a few years ago because it was SD, 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 and then all of a sudden, like the last two season and a half for HD. Did HD exist in 05? I thought HD didn't debut until like 07, 08. I think HD wasn't like universal for everything, but they were putting out the major shows. Okay. In HD at that point. Frasier was. Or, or you could watch Seinfeld in HD the entire time because it was filmed on film. Yeah, it was. Frasier was Frasier was one of those shows where like it's really good, but sometimes it tries to be like smarter than it. Like it, it, it kind. It's a very smart show, and it kind of makes you feel dumb. You're like, God damn it, this humor is too sophisticated. And then the best thing was when they had Sideshow Bob's brother on The Simpsons, and they brought in David Hyde Pierce to play his brother. Mm-hmm. Was that not the best casting? Especially when Bart covers his eyes, he goes, guess who? He goes, Meryl? <laughs> Maris? Yeah. Mer- oh, Maris, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the, Fer- the Frasier references were great. Another uh, show that started that we've talked about several times. Oh, yes. One of my favorites. And how it was bullshit on purpose. And it was Legends of the Hidden Temple. So we've been watching that again. Like, just putting on episodes from the beginning, and we're getting so frustrated where they're just like, are you freaking kidding me right now, kid? Like, like I could have done that. Eric, could you have assembled the Silver Monkey? Um, You know, I say I could have, but who knows with, with the amount of pressure. And, and maybe the lighting was off. You, you, you just don't know, right? All right, all right. So the purple parrots get a pass from Eric on this one. The the red jaguars, the blue barracudas, the green monkeys, the orange iguanas, the purple parrots, and the silver snakes. Which team were you on? I always wanted to be a blue barracuda or a silver snake. Yeah, the the blue barracuda. Blue's my favorite color. Blue's my favorite color, too, so... Anyway, the next show on the list is The Nanny. You know, I think that show got a bad rep because Fran Drescher had the annoying voice, but I don't think it was a bad show. Pretty good. You know, she was working at a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens, until her boyfriend kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes. My parents watched that show a lot, and I did did enjoy it. It wasn't my favorite. I remember... Uh, like her, like she like wrote a book, and she's like she just went to a producer and was like, "I got an idea for a show. It's Mary Poppins, and I'm Mary Poppins." And they're like, "All right, let's do it." <laughs> I completely change a family for the better. Nice. All right. Next show is a show that has had a, re- a, a resurgence in the yeah. last two years, and that's Animaniacs. One of my all-time favorite shows. I loved Animaniacs. <clears throat> I'm going to do a couple of Chris Frank's universes involving the Animaniacs. I want to do, like, like the top ten best Warner Brothers episodes, and then do, like, the top ten best Pinky and the Brains, the top ten best Buttons and Mindy's, like... And not the hippos, because that was the worst goddamn thing ever. The hip hippos. Dude, Animaniacs was so great. That show was... 
I know I said this before that, like, I end up going back to Tiny Toons more than Animaniacs just because Tiny Toons doesn't have that same recognition Animaniacs has. But Animaniacs was a classic because that was one of the first really good kid shows to really nail the adult humor and take a risk with it. Not like Ren and Stimpy where it was just being gross. Animaniacs got some jokes in there that I don't know how they pulled off. Like the one where they're detectives and Doc oh, shows up with Prince. She's like, look, I found Prince. And Yaka goes, no, 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 I said fingerprints. And she just looks at him and he grits. She goes, I don't think so. I also How's... love the episode where they do a Dracula episode and they're they're going looking for their parents. And they're like, so why are we going to Pennsylvania? Well, Sibs, we're cartoon characters. So we were made with pencils. So we're going to Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's so corny, but I love it. And they take a wrong turn. And they end up in Transylvania. Yep. How about uh, the pinky in the brain when Dolly Parton sits down next to Brain and sticks her chest in his face? She goes, I'm your biggest fan. What do you say to that? And he's like, I'd say puberty was inordinately kind to you. Billy Bobob Brain. Billy Bobob Brain. Uh, there was another one that always made me... Oh, yeah. Uh, it's they're, they're fighting a pilgrim. They're protecting a turkey from a pilgrim hunter. And he goes, show me the bird. And Yakko goes, I'd love to, but the fox censors won't allow it. Oh, God, that show was great. Animaniacs was a classic. I I have enjoyed the reboot, because it is taking the piss out of a lot of modern stuff. My biggest complaint with it, though, is that it was just the Warner siblings and Pinky and the Brain, and they don't have any of the other classic characters. None of the other things, none of the new stuff really hit. I would have, no, it really Except didn't. Except for there was the Chicken Boo episode. Where they sort of wrote off all the characters. They claim they were dead, but they are actually alive. Can you imagine what they could do with Slappy Squirrel in a, in a 2020 environment? Like, that's a biggest missed opportunity. Like, yeah, okay, maybe the good feathers wouldn't age as well because it was a good fella spoof. Maybe people won't get that. Like maybe... the feathers, especially the episode where they swapped the statue. And it's Regis Philbin now. Yeah, instead of Martin Scorsese, it's a Regis Philbin statue. Eric, did you watch any of these shows we're talking about? Nope. You have no feedback on any of them. Not a not a bit. Well, there's one there's one coming up. I know you'll have feedback on, but no. And and like, okay, maybe you can't afford Bernadette Peters again, but Rita and Runt could work in a with some of the modern musicals that they could parody. I mean, God, just imagine them parodying Avenue Q or the Book of Mormon, because you know they would do it. And there's Hamilton as well now. And Hamilton? Yeah, that would be the first one they'd do. So I really think that was a missed opportunity, and I really hope that feedback they've gotten from the fans will have them come back and bring some of those characters back. But yes, I loved Animaniacs. Loved Animaniacs. Our show at Star 93 was Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <clears throat> now, I was never a Star Trek guy, but I have heard really good things about Deep Space Nine. DS9 is, in my opinion, the best Star Trek. I've heard that's even better than Next Gen. I haven't seen anything, any of the new stuff that's come out in the last five or six years. I'm hearing good things about those, but as you know someone I mean? who's only seen OG, the cartoon, um, Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager is the best one. You know what I always loved? Um, 
one of one of Leonard's questions to become Sheldon's roommate was was uh, Kirk or Picard, and he's like, "Ooh, tough one." Uh, original series over Next Generation, but Picard over Kirk, and Sheldon goes, "That's correct. <laughs> that is the right answer." All right, here's a show that I watched, and I know Eric watched. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm waiting for it. I mean, you did mention it earlier to earlier. In yeah, you did. And that is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Fucking Power Rangers was the shit. You know, somebody on this show still watches Power Rangers. Yes, they do. And you've actually talked about doing a podcast about that. As a matter of fact, I think the latest one's ending soon, so I'll be able to watch that one now. Soon. I heard a... Do you remember... Um, Dan, you'll probably know who this is, because I know you were you watched some Nostalgia Critic stuff. You remember Linkara? I don't remember. I don't, like, ever did any of his stuff, but I remember him, yes. <clears throat> he did a really good Power Ranger recap series where he recapped all the Power Rangers series. I only watched the first five which was the conclusion of the Zordon storyline, the end of uh, Power Rangers in Space. Because yes. that kind of wrapped everything up. But I always one of the points he always made was that while the writing got better and everything, people still felt like the original Mighty Morphin was the most beloved because it, of the characters involved with it. And the I issue do... is that there's like two... The, my two favorite Power Rangers shows are only one-season shows for like 20-something episodes, I think maybe 40-some episodes. But those are the ones where they actually dig into the characters. Yeah. But isn't that how it always is? The best ones are always the shortest ones because they didn't last long enough to get bad? Uh, which two would that be, by the way? Essentially, at that point where the Zordon wave happens in, in space, it's a different thing every season. Okay. It's a different Power Rangers every season. So, um, Except for like the last five or six where they've done... A season and then a super season, where it'd be like Power Rangers Samurai, and then the next season would be Power Rangers Super Samurai, where it would be they the same characters, but they would get like a different power set. It basically just depended on where they could pull Sentai footage from, right? Yeah. So that's essentially the way it's been for like the last five or six, maybe even seven. Okay, so here's here's my question: What are the two series that you that you consider to be the best? SPD. Okay. Space Patrol Delta. Yep. And RPM. And RPM. Okay. Which would have been after the Zordon era. Which are both after Zordon, yes. Right. Which is kind of crazy when you think about the Zordon wave that he basically sacrifices himself to eliminate all evil in the universe. And, like, a bunch of evil people disintegrate, but then, like, Rita and Zed turn into actual humans. Yeah, it's the actual actors. Which is actually pretty cool. Without all the gimmicks. But yeah, Power Rangers was classic. Um, and one of Linkara's big things was he followed Bulk and Skull's journey from all the way to the beginning. Because, like, they start off in, like, episode two, they're asking Jason to teach them karate because they want to beat people up. And then in the big conclusion of In Space, they're the two leading the charge against all evil. Like, the they're citizens like the of two Earth. Cops, the only two cops yeah. that are around still. They actually yeah, lead the charge. police officers. Yeah, that was the big, big thing. Is like I didn't even know Angel Grove had a police police force until now. Who's the best Power Ranger? The White Ranger. Well, Green Ranger. Sorry, it's Tommy Oliver. 
Tommy. He's been. Tommy Oliver, played by Jason David Frank, who claims he could beat CM Punk in a shoot fight. I'm still waiting for it. I'm waiting for that MMA bout. But yeah, Power Rangers was classic. I grew up on Power Rangers. I fell off during Zio. See, I fell off before then, too. You're also two years older than me. So that that is fair. But... Zio is when I officially fell off, but I was with Mighty Morphin through all three seasons, and those were really good seasons. I hated the Aqua Ranger stuff, but... The Alien Rangers? Yeah, the Alien Ranger stuff. They were only in for like six or eight episodes, though. But they consider it like a mini-series, and it's just, it's a lot. To... Considered its own series. <clears throat> but yeah, I love I loved the Power Rangers as a kid, and you know what? I'll say it. The movie's cheesy as hell, but I love it. Because freaking Paul Freeman as Ivan Ooze has just got some of the best one-liners. Oh, the things that I've missed. The Black Plague. The Spanish Inquisition. The Brady Bunch Reunion. Goldar gets a good one-liner in that, too. Ah, here comes that cute little pink cha- ranger. Oh, you think she's cute, too, huh? But once once the, the original cast pretty much all left, it wasn't the same anymore. All right, what else you got? Bill Nye the Science Guy. I love yeah. Bill Nye. I still watch Bill Nye videos on YouTube. Literally would watch it in school. Mm-hmm. Those were the best days when you, whenever you watched Bill Nye in class. Like I would swear, I swear we watched it maybe a third of our classes when I was in ninth grade. Earth Science. Oh, damn. It was just that late? Like, it was like fifth yeah, grade. Yeah, ninth grade. We watched like almost every Bill Nye episode because like everyone like was like, well, he's going to teach it better than me. <laughs> Put it on. Bill Nye the science guy. Yeah, classic stuff. Plus like he like they just went all out. It wasn't just like him lecturing. It was like him doing things in like little one minute bits and there'd be like a music video at the end. And the entire time you're actually learning science stuff. I mean, what was like a big science show before that? Like Mr. Wizard? Yeah, probably. That show actually was, was kind of boring. I, I love in the Big Bang Theory universe when they bring in Bob Newhart to play their, yes. their childhood, Professor Proton. And he has like a rivalry with Bill Nye. Bill Nye walks in and he goes, Professor Proton, it's so nice to meet you. My show never would have happened without yours. Yeah, that's what I told my lawyers. Bob Newhart with some of the best delivery. He's like, oh, Bill Nye abandoned Sheldon at the gelato store, so I have to go pick him up. And he just goes, hey, probably stole his wallet, too. (laughs) I was going to say this. Bob Newhart's a national treasure, and I'm going to be devastated when I get that news. Oh, Newhart's great. I love Newhart I actually watched his shows. I'd never actually seen the shows, and I should uh, my Disney Magic Kingdom game that I play on my phone just had an update with the Rescuers, and I just unlocked Bernard. Oh. So, yeah. I, yeah, I love Bob Newhart. Love Bob Newhart. Is one of his things is, like, fail to uh, propose to Bianca. Yeah. And he does I, it for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> But I love, I love that's just, it's just Bob Newhart being himself as that character too. Like, there's so much Bob Newhart in that character, which is why 
Which is why I love the Rescuers movie. Like, if Bob Newhart wasn't Bernard and... What's her name? Um, blanking on the name. Who plays Bianca? Ava Gabor. Thank you. Oh, God, I blanked on it. If, if it wasn't for the two of them, that just would have been a generic Disney movie. Like, do you, do you feel like that improves the cast? Honestly, let's let's be honest here. We'll talk about this. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next year, next week's episode. If the Lion King didn't have the cast it had, do you think it would have been as successful? Now we we're talking about. The I don't know Lion about King. Lion King, but definitely Aladdin would have been different. Yeah, without Aladdin, Aladdin might have been awful if it wasn't for Robin Williams being the genie. He carried. It could have movie. been bad. Aladdin. He was that movie. Yeah. I also love the st- the stat that Aladdin couldn't be nominated for for best original script or, or even a whatever like best whatever script just because Robin Williams improved too much. Yeah, so they got disqualified from that. Uh, I love yeah. all the all the like the um stuff about like trying to keep that movie like in a continuity in a canon because oh, yeah. they're like, but then in the Aladdin. So the genies must be like a, uh, you know, like trans-dimensional beings or whatever, because he can make reference to uh, actual Disney characters inside a Disney movie. Well, he's a genie. He's magical. Case closed. Outside, outside characters. Look, he's magical. We're done. We're done. We're done. All right. What else you got? There's two more shows. Boy Meets World. That's a show I appreciate more as an adult than I did when I was a kid. I watched it all in its entirety a few years ago when they announced it. Like, oh yeah, all the old TG, almost almost all the TJF shows are on Hulu now. And I was like, I'm gonna do that shit. Yeah, it's it's classic. I I think I, I I'd be up for going back and doing a rewatch of Boy Meets World, like in its entirety. I like when they suddenly change what grade they're in because they realize they mathed wrong. Yeah. Because they're like, you guys are the, the one year they're like, you guys are the class of 2000. And then at one point they're like, but they're still you? in eighth grade. They're still in eighth grade in 2000s in like four years. They gotta, <laughs> they gotta move. It's so crazy. Such a good show. Oh, it's so good. It still holds up. Oh, man. What a cry. And the last show we have here is uh, Bonkers. Yeah, that was one of those Disney afternoon shows that kind of flew under the radar. I think it's because it got moved to before school. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds about right. Where So it's in a world where there's humans, but they're cartoon characters as well. And there's just, just this weird, I don't know, what is he? Bobcat, yeah, he's he's some kind of a some kind of a jungle cat, and he's a cop. And of course, his uh, partner is Pickle, but he calls him Pickle. Of course. Hey Dan, what was the top Christmas gift of '93? It was the Talk Boy, and you want to know a secret? I got one. Do you still have it? No. Ah. That would have been actually pretty cool. I think... But this was like the only time where it was like the Christmas gift and I got the Christmas gift. Like not when like 
the, the Christmas gift was Ninja Turtles. Well, yeah, you could get, like, I mean, no one wants a booster, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but you, you just got get random Ninja Turtles. Turbo figures. Man doll. It wasn't Turbo Man, you know? <laughs> right. All right. So next week we'll talk about 1994. All right, Eric, my friend, let's do a plug real quick here. Because we decided to launch a video podcast last night. We literally just decided on the spur of the moment and just did it. And people liked it. Yeah? Yeah? With apologies to Katie and Kyle. Why, did they not like it? No, they... they uh, they they both decide when I said, "Man, we have some coworkers that are going to be either really excited or really terrified," and they both texted me and were like, "Yup, I'm in that category. So am I." Oh. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you did. Eric and I wanted to do another like another thing together, um, and the park hopper stuff was fun, but it wasn't like as thrilling as I think we wanted it to be. And then we were just like. Eric's just like, what if we just just talked about, like, stuff that we used to do as a kid? And it just kind of boiled into it. And here you go. We Now we are going to do a video show, and people liked it. So we'll probably do another one. He just wanted to do the, the member was basically what I you remember. said. So we told lots of stories about camping. We told animal stories. About encounters with animals, if you ever wanted to hear Eric's encounter with a shark. What? Yeah. It, it was good. Yeah. It was good fun times. No, it was really Eric fun. Eric and, and a shark, people. Eric versus... You guys know that my family camped, like, almost the entire summer from when I was 10 to, like, when I was 20, right? I actually did not know that until you mentioned that to me. And as a matter of fact, when I went to college in Canada, the day I left, I left from a camping from a campsite. We were camping, <laughs> and then we had to wake up really early, drive to Toronto so I could fly to Calgary. I can honestly <laughs> say I never went from camping to college. I don't you ever go from. You woke up at a campsite, <laughs> drove across the international border. Got on a plane, went across that other country. I can honestly say I've never done that. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely woken up in France and, and went to bed back in New Jersey. Like, that definitely oh, happened. Yeah. And that was the same day, too. Because the eight-hour flight, we left at one o'clock in the afternoon in Paris time and landed at three o'clock New York time. Yeah, because you're gaining time that entire time. Oh, that was the longest day ever. It was like 7 p.m. and I was delirious. That was like, yeah, I went to, I did, I mean, I just did a cross-country flight the one time to Oregon from New York. And, like, I was up, I was awake for 22 hours that day. <laughs> it's a lot of awake time. Uh, yeah, Thankfully, so. I was in my early 20s still, which I'm guessing is the same for you for that from that trip as well. Uh, that would have been 22? I believe I was 22 or 23. 
Um, I'm going to say 22 because I believe I, I was 23 when I'd start when I did Disney. That would have turned. Yes. Okay. You know, I'm going to tell you exactly how I know this. I turned 24 the year I went to work for Disney. Here's how I know. We watched WrestleMania 24 together at the house in Jersey. And and whatever WrestleMania number is the is what I'm turning that November. So yeah, we just had WrestleMania 38. So I'm unhappy. Well, I'm older than WrestleMania, so... <clears throat> Shut up, Eric. Uh, whenever that stuff comes around, they go, how... what?" The WrestleMania in the year you were born is is the way your life's going to be or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, LOL. Your life doesn't exist. Well, the f- Yeah, well, technically WrestleMania didn't exist when I was born. WrestleMania 1 happened a couple months later. So. <sighs> Good lord, dude. Alright, well, Eric... You haven't gotten to speak a lot on this episode, so I'm going to turn this over to you. What would you like to talk about? Let's talk about some anime. All right. Uh, I recently picked up Inuyasha again. I love uh, watching Inuyasha. Yeah. It's it's a lot better than I remember it. And I don't know if it's just because Crunchyroll has a better version and there's no commercials in between because Toonami does that to you. Like, Toonami will play five minutes of actual video and then go to commercial break. Yeah. Well, okay, so, like, a lot of animes have a commercial break built in, right? Yeah, right in the center. Right in the center. That's actually how most animes are, because I think that's just, just how Japan is. not the way we do it in the United States. Nope, not at all. So, we are a two to three break in a half hour group. <laughs> so, when Pokemon came out, I remember there was always, like, they would play the intro theme, right? And yeah. then there'd be a commercial. And then they'd come back and be, there's the narrator. And then they do Who's That Pokemon? Which was where the commercial went. And then they, they put another commercial in between that and the Pokerap and the credits. So they got their three commercial breaks in because America. Because I think in Japan, it's you just get one long commercial break, right? <clears throat> I think so. Some some of the shows don't actually get commercial breaks. Like depends on the length of the actual show. Because what they'll do is, um, the shows aren't exactly thirty minutes, right? And they won't fill up the entire time. So they'll play two shows uh, within a thirty minute block, but it's more like forty minutes. And they'll just start the the next show either late or do a commercial until the next hour. Yeah, that's like um. British television because you pay a specific tax for the television and stuff. No, that's what's up. If they you told me have, you pay extra money for your TV as a tax to the government so you don't have commercials on your television. But the issue is shows aren't the full length of time. So they gotta fill them. And so but the issue is when a show comes over here or a show goes over there, what do they do? Now, I've been I've seen some British versions of like sports and wrestling shows, and they'll literally just be like, "Well, this is a long commercial break, so we're going to show you in in its entirety a classic match." Because <laughs> why not, right? Yeah, I feel like <laughs> it's it's like they they 
they still have commercials, right? But it's not in the middle of the show. It literally goes after the show and then plays commercial until it's time for the next show. Yeah. And they always have like a little that that little bit of time to fill. Right. So this is one thing I learned uh over in Europe because like during the study abroad program we didn't have TVs or anything. So it's not like we were watching TV. But when we would when we took like our trip to the Netherlands we had a TV in our hotel room. When we took our trip to Rome, we had a TV in our hotel room. And it was like this really tiny little TV. Mm-hmm. We turned it on and we're just flipping through like these Italian channels. And then there's full frontal nudity. Because Europe doesn't have those restrictions. Nice. And when you're a college kid in your early 20s and you're not mature. Because, you know, I'm so mature now. You giggle. You giggle at the bouncing titties on your TV. Because you're very mature. Well, I mean, it's better than the alternative in front of all your friends. Oh, me bouncing my tits in front of all my friends? Nobody wants to see that. No, no I, mean, I think he was talking about, like... jerking it in front of your friends. <laughs> well, I would not do that, so... We won't have to worry about that ever being in That's what I always, like, heard about, like, like in high school and being like, yeah, me and Dave went over to, to Pat's place and we watched porno. And I'm like, that sounds like the stupidest and worst thing to do. <laughs> like, that's really weird, dude. It's really weird. I remember when we had the unlock DirecTV thing <laughs> where we had, like, all the channels were unlocked, which is how I started watching TNA Wrestling. And saw lots of movies that way, like Lilo and Stitch and Atlantis Lost Empire. But of course, there were some of those channels, and one of my high school buddies found them. He's like, can you just like leave the room for a minute? I'm like, no! You're in my living room. No! How about you leave my house? How about that as the alternative? Uh, of the big list of things you will not be doing, that is one of them. So anyway, Inuyasha. Where were we? <laughs> we still have <laughs> Uh, no, I had Funimation before Crunchyroll, and now that they're all one thing, I decided to stop paying for Funimation and start paying for Crunchyroll, and I have not regret that decision. Um, the only thing that I wish that they did was set up, like, put some settings on there so I can choose a default language, and it would just start playing in that language. There's a lot of dub there, but you have to, like, look for it. And, um... I mean, it's fine if I already know that the anime is dubbed, right? So, like, I know Cowboy Bebop has a dub, so I can find it pretty easily. I know Dragon Ball Z has dub, so I can find it pretty easily. But, like, the the new anime that's coming out, I mean, some of them are dubbed, or some of them are partially dubbed. Is it a good dub? (laughs) That's the other thing, right? Um, But I got tired of, like, literally going through, and then... The the sub, it's really hit or miss. Some of the dub is terrible. Some of the dub is excellent, but it's really new, and there's only seven episodes, and seven episodes isn't even an afternoon. Like, like I could watch seven episodes and be like, all right, well, now I'm bored. Um, Eric, but- do you remember getting, like, the fan, the fan-dubbed versions of animes, like, on on bootleg video cassettes and there would just be like horrible translations that didn't even make sense. The one that always got me was one of the Dragon Balls movies 
where Gohan ref- calls him Pister Mikolo. How wow. do you mess that up? Wow. I wonder I if it's a good thing where them and their friends called him that as a joke and they did it on accident. The thing <laughs> that, habit. like, okay, so I, I found a fan dubbed version of the Animal Crossing anime movie because an official dub doesn't exist. And I like that they Americanize, they, they, it's accurate to the, to the original dialogue. They Americanize the name. So like one of the characters is Whitney the Wolf. But in the original, she's called Bianca, which Bianca is not a wolf in Animal Crossing. Bianca is actually a white tiger. So I like that they did that. But then some of it, it's very obvious that they did not have professional microphones. So they, you've got like the very obvious breath and the pop and peas and everything. You know, not that we're perfect either, but right, no, I, they were not using a Blue Yeti. I'll say that. Here's where I stand on that. I think they're doing an excellent service. Is it illegal? Yeah, probably. Yeah, more than likely. I right? don't think Team it's Team Four illegal. Star got shut down a couple of times. Well, I mean, it's like it depends on how you do it, right? Like, like riff tracks. You don't. You get an audio thing and you watch the movie and play, play at the same time. I mean, yeah, but I, I think what like these people are doing a service and we have to give them credit where credit is due for them to go out and then translate an entire episode and then find a group of people to play each character. Yeah. That's a lot of effort. Also, like I I did find it kind of funny that they chose to give like Mabel and Sable really bad French accents. I'm like, all right, that's an aesthetic choice, but I don't know if it's working here. One I would choose probably. Oh, make them French. Okay. I would love to do something similar to that, but I know, like, I don't know anyone who can translate. So literally, my journey ends there. <laughs> like, what do I do at that point? Do I just make it up as I go? Just be like, okay, I think this is happening. <clears throat> you do the cheap thing. You find somebody <laughs> who already subtitled it, and you just read the subtitles. Well, yeah, but okay, so. Now that we're back onto subtitles, some of the subtitles are excellent, and then some of the subtitles, I, I, I feel like when they merge, they just grab subtitles from people who volunteer to do subtitles, but they use, like, Comic Sans, and I, and I just can't. Like, I'm reading it, and I'm just like, I think I understand Japanese more than I understand this fucking writing. <laughs> Ah, uh, Comic Sans isn't that bad. No, it's not. But if you itali- like if you put it in italics, it's the fucking worst. <laughs> because you're like, is that an H or an N? It's a letter. Oh, oh, it's a it's a V. Cool. Like you know, like it's it's, it's shit like that. And then you do have your errors, or they're they're doing it word for word, right? Like they're um. They they got lazy and it's not someone actually translating. They just took all the words and then they put a phone with uh, Google Translate next to it and it, Google Translate is translating it, but it does it word for word and the like. Um, I don't I don't know what it's called. The phonetics of the language don't translate properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's like instead of you know I drove the car, it's like I car drove. You know, it, literal it's just translation. Weird. 
Yeah. So order, I, order is so weird in like every language there is. So <clears throat> in Japan, last names come before first names. So when the ring announcer will announce wrestlers, he'll be like, when he announces Kazuchika Okada, he goes, Okada Kazuchika. But but the Americans there just you know. Kenny Omega. Jeff Cobb. Okay, Kenny Omega's Canadian, but you, you understand Cobb. the point. John Jeff Cobb's from Guam. Hey, That's Cody. <laughs> Cody. Yeah, just Cody. Yeah, just, just, just Cody. Cody. When he was just Cody. Uh, and this is where the the the, the uh, podcast goes full racist on the whole accent thing. This isn't even a racist thing. It's, a, it's actually how they do it. Shinsuke Nakamura had the best one. Nakamura Shinsuke. And the best thing is before all before like all the COVID and stuff, when the fans could like do stuff, there was always girls in the front row near microphones, and they would just every match they would scream out a name, a name of of, of the hottest boy in the match. Oh my god! Yeah, that could be insufferable. Shinsuke, Shinsuke, Shinsuke. And, like, Shinsuke Nakamura was, like, the best wrestler in the world for, like, ten years straight. So he would be in, like, the marquee match that is over a half hour. <laughs> I saw I saw a, an Asian comedian do a bit on the different accents in, in Asian cultures and how, like, Koreans sound like they're stoned. And Japanese sound like they're on Adderall. And it was really funny. And I'm like, man, imagine if I tried to do something like that with white American accents. Oh, wait, I could. I mean, y'all can do a Southern drawl, right? Or New York? Or Boston? The I feel like... Since we're on the like topic of kind of streaming and shit like that, and, and accents and whatnot, I know that cable used to have packages, right? I wish there was a streaming make-your-own-package type thing. Because I... Like, I'm not big into sports, so I would never sign up for ESPN, right? And then there's so much shit that's on Hulu that I'm never going to watch. I'm not interested in, like, the Vampire Diaries or anything like that. But, and and Hulu's kind of a bad example because they do have a... um, anime section but i wish that would be like hey i will give you an extra five bucks if you can somehow do a like a partnership of fucking uh crunchy roll or or something hulu's how i watch dragon ball super was through uh, hulu yeah because they have the dub i did not know that now i'm going to have the dub and that's how i watched all of dragon ball super huh for, they have all of Naruto up to a point dubbed, and then it just goes sub, uh, like, more than halfway through. Which is fine. I I like sub, but, uh, like, the portion where it goes sub is literally the ninja war. And I want to pay attention to the action, so I need to listen. Because watching the fight scenes and reading is not, is no way yeah, out. Well, like it's not great. if you want to watch Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z Kai, if you're if you're Dan, Eric, Megan, Clarissa, or Joe, you can go to my Plex. If you're not one of those five people, you're shit out of luck. 
But you guys can go watch it. I don't really care. You guys can put whatever you want on there. Just... My issue is like I watch my TV shows too too passively, so I couldn't I could not do so because I would just not understand anything that's happening in the show. That's another thing. Like I'm, uh, even though I enjoy the anime, sometimes my full focus isn't on it, but I'm still listening to it. I will watch a sub version of any anime, but I want to watch the dub first so I can pay attention to it and get what's going on. Then I will be willing to go back and watch the subtitled version to see the actual dialogue in case anything was changed. Um, for me, it depends. Dragon Ball, I have to watch a dub now because I grew up with dub. Right? So well, I, know, I know. I know some shows are completely different. But here's the thing. Yes, I know that Kai did cut a lot of filler, but now that Kai exists, you never have to watch sub Dragon Ball Z again. Because the Kai dub is similar to the actual dialogue. In fact, it's directly translated. <coughs> Same thing with Super. So, like, you never have to watch the sub if you don't want to. Oh, you're talking about for, like, story reasons. I, I was thinking, like, there's some people who just don't like the way some voice actors sound or the way that they voice act certain roles. Sure, and I get that. But, like, it's the same thing. That's another reason why I like the Kai dub so well. Because go back and watch any scene with Dragon Ball Z and then watch that same scene in Kai with the same voice actors and hear the difference because they're so much more experienced now. There's more emotion. There's more oomph behind their deliveries. Especially Goku. The example I'll give you is when Vegeta kills Birder and he stomps on his neck. In, in the regular dub, Goku's like, Hey, stop. He says it, like, casually. In the Kai, he's screaming at him, Vegeta, no! That's all Bad the difference. Dog. Yeah. Bad dog. Monkey. <laughs> Bad ape. Plus, with some yeah. of the some of the voice actors, I, I'm so sad that the new voice of Frieza passed away, because I thought he did such a great job on that role. Right? <clears throat> oh, I'm excited for this new, this new Dragon Ball movie. Oh, yeah? I know. Oh. God. By the way, that was another thing that, that got me was how many Dragon Ball voice actors were in Yu Yu Hakusho. And, like, there were times when, uh, what's his name? The bully, the redheaded bully. Yeah, I, I, um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. With every now and again, you'd hear Vegeta come out. Yep. But, but, uh, Genkai with the original Frieza voice, I'm like, yeah, that's Frieza. Well, that was like when I watched, uh, Cowboy Bebop. And I was like, that's his Wolverine voice. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, that was... In a lot of ways, Cowboy Bebop might be the best anime ever. Like, that, I'm saying... It's like the perfect gateway. It's like 26 episodes. It's an easy watch. It's funny. It's got plenty of action. It's not... It divvies it up. There's completely different things. It's not the it's... pop culture phenomenon of a Dragon Ball or a Pokemon or a Naruto. But also, those are really long shows. Cowboy Bebop's a nice, easy breeze, and it and it works. It makes sense. Like, it's easy to follow along what the plot is. It's this is how we've we've uh, we've colonized the solar system. So, all right. Well, well, we gave Eric his time here. Uh, real quick, couple of quick plugs before we wrap things up. Uh, we talked a lot about. I mean, what if you wanted to actually go to Japan and watch these shows as they're happening? 
right? If only there was a way to get there. If only we knew a guy. Indeed. We do know a guy. guy? We know a guy. His name is Emerson A. Cotton. And at emersoncotton.teletravel.com, you can book your next trip to Japan. He'll help you every step of the way, and you pay nothing additional to him. He loves doing this, guys. He's doing it because he loves it. So get in on that. You guys can buy a t-shirt at my Redbubble store. Link in the description. And please buy a t-shirt. It does support this channel's existence. I'd like to give a special shout-out to our awesome patrons. Uh, we did release two new videos. Dan and I doing the trivia and Eric and I doing the, the one-on-one the podcast. I did say that all video content was supposed to be early access to patrons. I will continue to honor that, but these were brand new concepts. We wanted to get them out and get you guys talking. But Jeff T., Jay Winger, Glenn Kukan, Adrian Cotton, Matthew Hardman, Brian Leon, and Robert Atkin. You guys are awesome patrons, and you guys can help control the content on these videos as well. As I mentioned for Trivia Night, which you can check out as Dan challenges me to Simpsons Trivia, if you are a patron or a content creator, you can just join up with us and we'll make a trivia quiz for you. If you're a patron or a content creator, you guys can tell me and Eric what we're going to talk about next week, what our big topic will be. And we're going to start doing monthly roundtable discussions, which you guys will have open invitations to. For the rest of you, if you want to get in on it, you can ask permission, but it, or it has to be by invite only, but patrons and content creators get first dibs as they are financially assisting us here. That's only fair. Other than that, check out our awesome partners, including the Watch Me Cook channel on YouTube with our friend Tom Dickinson, and the IWEP network with my friend Anthony Blackwell Jr. He's got a whole network of shows that you guys can check out there. And I'm going to do this real quick because I didn't do it last time, and I promised Jeff that I would. But you guys can check out all of the new stuff that Jeff Trelowitz has released. He talks about things in the paranormal he doesn't like on the new Real Paranormal Talk. He gives a review of Jurassic World Dominion on reviews by Jeff. And he reviews Brian Adams' Reckless on the latest ranking tracks. And the A-Show Tournament of Champions has reached the conclusion, or rather the final match. A four-way will now take place. Jenna, wow. Andy Peck, Coach Calvin, and me. That's going to be insanity. So check all that stuff out on channel. Check us out on YouTube. Support us. Become a patron. All that fun stuff. Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure, but I've got food waiting for me, and I'm hungry. So, Eric, do you have any final words to end the show with? Be excellent to one another. We'll see you guys next week. This has been another episode of The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio. Check out all the shows at CKCCRadio.com and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.